Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello again and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. All right. Hey, Lori, how you doing? What's happening today? You know, Adam, there's been a big mix-up about you online. There's a big, big mix-up? Yeah. It's like, is it What's Matthew happened? Adams or Adam Matthews? Oh, Somebody yeah. recently wrote in and got it all mixed up. That happens to, do you know that happens to me all the time? I bet it does. People yeah. call me, don't even know my last name and they call me Matthew all the time. I know. That is so weird. It's really weird. Just but remember, Adam. Adam, like the first man. Yeah, Adam and, is first. And Matthews with one T. Right. As it's supposed to be spelled. All you <laughs> the two, right all, way. All you two T's out there are completely messing it up for the rest of us. <laughs> Stop lying. Yeah. Your, your name is a lie. Yeah. Um, Matt, you, Matt Hughes. Yeah. yeah. That'd be uh, weird. <laughs> well, today we are talking about sexual resilience. Um, and I don't know that most people think about their relationship in terms of resilience. Um, but it's a big topic lately in terms of a quality or trait that people possess um, that helps get them through difficult times. Yeah, um, a big research topic. In yeah, terms absolutely. Of how do some children have resilience, right, in mm-hmm. life? How is that developed? Why do some people come out of difficult circumstances and have resilience and others mm-hmm. don't? When others don't. But yeah. resilience is essentially the ability to bounce back, mm-hmm. right? The ability to summon courage and strength to push through difficulty. And it's shown it's important in a whole multitude of situations. When it comes to finances, how you make money, the life cycle of having money or not having money and how, how you kind of go through those those periods of times that's less than. Um, sports, it's big in sports and how you um, overcome adversity as a as a if you're in team sports mm-hmm. um, versus whether you have something that happens to you like injury or different things like that. But it's especially true in couples, mm-hmm. right? And you, you mentioned kids and some families too, but especially in couples, and it's just starting to kind of be more defined because there's relational resilience, and then we're going to talk about sexual resilience as well. But they are connected. Jean sure. Jean Fitzpatrick, a relationship therapist in New York, she said that resilient couples have the capacity to repair after a negative interaction. That's how she defined that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think of it in terms, I mean, you you see this all the time, right? That couples, when they come in, they are in their arguments, the way that they fight, the way that they're trying to deal with something that's difficult is that they're often caught in these win-lose arguments where one of them is trying to win. There's going to be a winner and there's a definite winner and there's going to be a definite loser. You hear that all the time. I had a client the other day that said, we were talking about a fight that they had and he said, I just took the L. 
I just took the L, meaning he just <laughs> took the loss. And I was like, no, like what? Like that's not a thing. That shouldn't be a thing. That's not a thing in relationships where one of you is winning or one of you is losing or there's points, you know, keeping going on where we're de- trying to decide who's actually won or lost the argument. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is so deadly because I think it, to me, it gets them into the, they're playing tug of war rather than trying to solve a, a problem together. And they're trying to prove how how right they are, um, mm. and, and my, my my husband says something about that. You know, you can either be right or happy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. can't you can't you be can't you be both? Yeah, I mean, I think in a coupleship, right? You want to work toward understanding, not necessarily being right. Yeah, and that's what I, that's what I mean. I think like. We we go toward one person's right and one person's wrong rather than what is – I think that's another way to conceptualize the win-loss type of deal is mm-hmm. that you're uh, – either I'm right or you're right rather than there may be elements that we're both right. Absolutely. And, and we can work together. But but just even said that just for the record, who wins who wins more more arguments, you or your husband? Um, I, gosh, I don't know. I, I would say that – we do things his way, seemingly in my mind, more often. <laughs> you do? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I'm a pretty strong personality, but we, we yeah. do tend to do things. That's, that's, I'm not going to lie. That's, that's surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprising to me, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, that probably is the same in our relationship as well. But, but resilient couples, there's some things that they do that couples that aren't resilient don't do. Um, instead of trying to prove how right they are, they shift the focus to themselves. The individuals go toward what is my responsibility here um, and how they can calm down, um, especially when it's an, a heated or emotional topic or conversation, so that they can focus on the best outcome for each other. Karen Scarrett calls this the weeness of the relationship, which so, I really like. They have an awareness yeah. of the weeness and a focus on that, that that's going to become, um, that that's something that, they're, they're concerned more about that than on being right. So I think of it and have said sometimes it's developing the couple mindset. Mm. That there's an entity that when we commit to each other that is bigger than just ourselves. The, yeah. the right, wrong, you, me. There's an us yes. that we're promoting. You yeah. know? I mean, it's sort of like a, a team, right? You, Absolutely. you might want to play the star player all the time. But the team needs to learn to work together. And so they don't learn that if you don't play all the players. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe the star learns humility by, you know, being some other position or something. I mean, there's a, a team aspect that we learn we can actually win more yeah. if we operate as a team than if one person gets their way all the time. Or yeah. I think on teams, you also learn that everybody has a role to play. Mm-hmm. And you can accept the contributions that they can that they can bring mm-hmm. um, to the table way more. And so you're not, you know, a lot of times I had coaches when I played team sports that would say, you know, you you win as a team, you lose as a team. Mm-hmm. So if we lost, it was on everybody, right? right? It wasn't just on one person. Uh-huh. If we won, it was everybody's win. Right. Um, and I think that that gets lost too. But I also have like, I, for some reason, it is so hard for people to take responsibility for their part. And to uh, look at it themselves in this, I had I had a couple the other day, and one of them, I can't remember which one said it, but they said something like, you know, the, they used the team analogy, and they said, 
you know, we're not on we're not on the same team. I just want us to feel like we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were very much stuck in the win lose mindset. They mm-hmm. wanted they wanted to be on the same team, but they wanted the other person to come over on their side. Mm-hmm. This just, is how we get on the same team. You do it my way. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or you think like me or you feel like me, uh-huh. you know, or you admit that you're wrong and that you made a mistake rather than saying, how can I um, change the situation? But yeah. res- resilient couples don't blame they don't point the finger and say you're solely responsible mm-hmm. for this. They look at the mechanics, the system, that what's breaking down. Mm-hmm. They depersonalize it, right? That yeah. helps with recovery. Yeah, absolutely. It's so easy to see what our partner does wrong. Ah, it's, yeah, it's crystal so crystal clear. <laughs> it's so it's so it is so clear, right? Yeah, it is. It is, and, and it's it, so difficult to see that we are contributing to a dynamic mm-hmm. that keeps us locked into a power struggle instead of functioning as a unit. Yeah. If only they would change, then it would then, then everything it would be, would easy. be, be right. better. Exactly. But resilient couples take that responsibility, but there's also sexual resilience, right? So what is sexual resilience? Tell us about how that differs. Right. So Beck and Robinson, they described it this way. They said it's a couple's ability to withstand a adapt to and find solutions to events and experiences that challenge their sexual relationship. Uh So in other words, they recognize challenges to their sexual relationship, but they work together to overcome those challenges. So you have three of those challenges, don't you? I have. Oh, yes. Children. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The little the little parasites living with me. (laughs) Yes. Right. You have three of those. They're beautiful. I love them. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a common one. That are going to be challenges to the relationship, time, uh, busyness, um, fatigue, work, work responsibilities, changes in libido, mm-hmm. um, menopause, menopause, yep, cancer, cancer, disease. any kind of disease. You know, I'm studying for my doctorate uh, breast cancer, and that is called the we disease. Yeah, because it impacts the couple so much in terms of yes, it happens in her body. But, it in, I mean, it, they face mortality, they face the, the separation, the loss of potentially their partner, and then their sexual life is so impacted. And so, I mean, I would say every once in a while, you know, I listen to somebody and I think, you know, they have it all together, right? They have everything. They, mm-hmm. they have a strong attachment. They have enough money. They have interesting jobs. They have beautiful little parasites. And, you know, but oftentimes as they come through my office, there's some event that has happened, a health problem or something mm. that was, you know, not foreseen. And, you know, it turns out into everybody's life, a little rain does fall. And it, it's really hard. But yeah. resilience, sexual resilience is how do we manage that yeah. in a way that keeps us on track with each other and making love and feeling the good feelings that you know, yeah, are possible. But I think I think you're hitting on something too. Is that most people don't think that their sexual life is going to hit challenges and snags. Mm-hmm. They hear about them, but they go, "Well, that's not going to happen to us." Mm-hmm. As as opposed to recognizing the dynamic nature of the sexual relationship. Right. We talk we talk about it as the evolution of the sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. That it's going to go through ups and downs and peaks and valleys, and that we, that everyone is going to face some kind of challenge in in that relationship sexually. But the importance of it, the importance of resilience um, really is that they 
resilient couples overall they feel good about their relationship and about their sex life together it's it's, it's a, they see it as a positive rather than a negative and they are more confident um, in the strength of their relationship they see their relationship as a strength and are not afraid of that conflict which a lot of couples are they're not afraid of those challenges mm-hmm. so not being afraid of those challenges they're going to hold a belief that they can handle them um, when those difficulties mm-hmm. come up. So does the research say anything, Adam, about is resilience a product of having come from a securely attached childhood or is it just a gift? And and if it's just a gift, I mean, can it be one? Can we fight hard and become more resilient? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely securely attached kids learn to have more resilience, mm-hmm. right? Because it's that it's that tether, right? They go out into the world, they fail, they come back and they have a place to land. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this the secure attachment is going to allow them to have more resilience. However, we also tend to think, sometimes we think of resilience as a personality trait. Mm-hmm. We say, well, that person's really resilient, as opposed to thinking of it more like a muscle that can be built over time. Okay. So people that maybe were insecurely attached Um, as they move into adulthood, like they can learn, as we've talked about, you can learn to be more securely attached. You can learn to be more resilient. Um, You can develop some things. And maybe that's what we want to talk about when we come back is ways for as a couple that you can build sexual resilience and relationship resilience into your relationship and learn to kind of manage those difficulties that come up a little bit better. Good, because we can't control the rain. (laughs) Right? Okay. We'll be right back. Speaking with certified sex therapist Lori Watson from Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Lori, what is an intensive? So an intensive is 12 to 14 hours of therapy all in one weekend. And it's a way to really make fast progress compared to weekly therapy. I mean, there's just so much more you can get done when you have a chunk of time. Overcome the challenges in your relationship and your sex life. Learn more about intensives and Awakening Center's other services at awakenloveandsex.com. At Matthews Counseling, we believe it is our job to come alongside you in whatever difficult challenges of life you are in and help you rediscover hope and to find the strength that you have to face those challenges. We strive to create a safe and comfortable place for you to explore who you want to be and identify the obstacles standing in your way. Oftentimes, the first step toward finding help is the hardest, but it can also be the bravest. Give us a call at 919-587-8018. Find us online at matthewscounseling.com. We look forward to working with you. All right, Lori, so let's try to give some ways that you can build resilience back into your relationship. And I want to use an example and we can talk about some real life, put some bones to it into a relationship. So I want to talk about a couple that was resilient and a couple that's not. So Ray and Paula versus Jim and Nancy, um, they both experienced a drifting apart in their relationship and over time, their their frequency of sex, the their desire for sex, they both dropped, right? And both of these are really common things that I think we both hear a lot. Where Paula and Ray, she traveled a lot for business. Ray was left alone. He worked full time, and he was taking care of their two their two kids, both whom had behavioral difficulties. Ooh, that's right? hard. So both of those, and they both described a a, a high degree of dissatisfaction in their sex life, right? Mm-hmm. But you can see how both of those things very normal life things that happen can contribute to their sex life. They're not together very much. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of worn out by the behavioral problems of the children. The family system 
is in disarray a bit. So tensions are high in the household. Yeah. And she's only home a little bit. So it's, yeah, it's, I can imagine that would take a toll. Yeah. And so compare them to Jim and Nancy, you know, Mm -hmm. they had three kids, both worked really high power jobs. They did did something where they, they used to be able to run together every morning. They exercised together, which was a real highlight for their relationship. But as kids and jobs increased, Jim hurt himself, like had had problems with his ankles, couldn't keep running with her. So he slowed down, but Nancy sped up, right? She started mm-hmm. doing marathons and races every weekend. Um, or not, maybe not every weekend, but a majority of the weekends was really into that, started running with other people. And it just took them in separate directions. So they stopped spending time together and making, really making time for sex. So you can see like both of those couples are- Challenged. Fa- they're challenged, right? To find time for sex. Jim and Nancy, on one hand, though, were way less resilient, had had not exercised that muscle as much as Ray and Paula had. Mm. Ray and Paula, on some levels, faced a few more difficult challenges as far as time goes, the less control of their time. But Jim and Nancy, however, they were way more fatalistic about mm. what was going on, mm. right? And just to kind of give some beaten things... Beaten down, maybe. Beaten down, really just did not have, uh, it took them a lot longer. It was a lot harder for them. They had to really be able to develop some resilience. And as we talked about, like the things that it was hard for them to do that Ray and Paula did better was they each had a better awareness of themselves, right? Mm. They, this was something that um, can be pointed out that a therapist can point out to you. But a lot of times it's, it's more helpful if you're able to have that awareness of your own, if you're able to raise that awareness to know when there is conflict, when you go to talk about sex, when you go to talk about how to resolve some of these problems, that you have an awareness of what is actually getting triggered for you. Like what is triggering the upset and how does things like your sexual upbringing, your sexual history, um, and those experiences kind of predispose you to your feelings and approach to sex, right? Because mm-hmm. those buttons get pressed and you're off to the races, mm-hmm. right? Your blood pressure goes up. Um, your heart starts beating uh, really mm-hmm. fast. Um, get physiologically triggered when there's conflict, right? Yeah. And so, so you say to Nancy, okay, what triggers you? How are you? What are you doing with your thoughts and emotions? And what would a woman like that say? She might not know. Um, she may not know. She may, that thinks that she's going to then blame her partner and say, well, he. She's going to start talking about him. She's going to mm-hmm. start, and well, he does this and he does that, and I'm going to have to say to Nancy over and over. I need you to talk about yourself. Tell me what's going on with you. But there's some kind of difficulty or block sometimes there that makes it hard for her to do that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Paula, on the other hand, is going to say, well, I I wasn't able to make sex a priority early on or wasn't I didn't see I didn't know that my, my parents were never sexual. So that wasn't something that I always thought it was just going to happen. And so she starts talking about herself way more than she starts talking about her partner. So she has a consciousness. Uh, yeah. uh, first, it takes two to tango. Absolutely. Right? I mean, that all of us. We we even when you're in the midst of it and you think your partner is, you know, dead wrong and hurtful. Like it takes two to tango. So that awareness, you know, is the first kind of step of okay. I can't see how mm. I'm also maybe damaging this relationship or hurtful in this dynamic, but. But I believe that. And so I'm going to think yeah. about what my part might be. And they may be, and maybe they don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know exactly. But 
being open to hearing about what my part in it mm. is is really important. Yeah. Um, and because then you're also able to say, okay, when those things get triggered, right? When those things that aren't just my partner are happening, right? The emotional turmoil is happening inside me. The anxiety is rising. It's how I'm reacting rather than um, uh, just being able to be non-reactive and thoughtful in the process. What helps me calm down? Mm-hmm. What helps me get back to center? And how can I apply those when our sex life runs into difficulty, right? Is it, or when our conversation about our sex life runs into difficulty? Can mm-hmm. I take a walk? Can I exercise? Do deep breathing and meditation, listening to music? What is it that is effective in helping me come back to be non, a non-reactive presence rather than somebody that's just got automatic thinking and automatic reactions going on. Right, and I would say that just from an attachment theory perspective, what you're talking about is mood stabilization. Mm -hmm. That a person in a situation where they're triggered knows how to calm down, and, and they know that because in secure attachment, we internalize the parent, the comforting parent. The parent who, like you said, you know, you have a bad day and you come home, you spill it all out and your parent says, I care about you. You're still a good kid. You know, we'll we'll get this together. Tomorrow's going to be a brighter day. And somehow or another, there's this magic that you feel better having told your parent as they've comforted yeah. you. So relationship is a safe source for comfort. And then in adulthood, we carry that with us. And we have a bad day or our partner is acting out and we we tell ourselves it's okay, we'll be able to manage this and we calm down. And for many of us, we have to learn how to do that. And you've just said, you know, it's taking a walk in the moment, deep Mm -hmm. breathing, telling your partner, I got to take 10 uh, because I'm I'm getting too charged up. So that might be part of it. And your partner as a resilient, securely attached person is going to respect that. Right. Right. If Versus follow you into the next room and bang on the yes. door when you shut it behind you. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, don't do or, that. Or don't scream do that. After, any or, of you. Or scream after you. Call after name. Call call name yeah. call like things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're too hot. If you're name calling, use your feet to walk out of the room. You know, because yeah. sometimes people can't control what's coming out of their mouth. So I always say, use your feet and control where you are. Yeah. Walk out of the room. Yeah, and th- the other thing I think is is that awareness piece is also awareness of you both as a couple like knowing that all couples experience sexual conflict you can start to see and what i do what i call flagging the minefield Mm. you know what the hot button issues are you know what the things are that could potentially blow up so you're able to approach them differently i love that metaphor yeah explain that again like flagging the minefield yeah so like you know when you know that there's a minefield what they would do is they'd go they'd go and discover the mines and then they'd flag them so you would know where not to step Mm-hmm. Right, you go get blowed up <laughs> if you, you yes. step there. Yes, so you know, metaphorically speaking, as a couple, you know this is an issue. If we know this is, uh, we don't want to go here, then we're able mm-hmm. to approach that situation differently. Politics. When they, yeah, when yeah. it, my when it comes and up, I cannot talk about politics. Yeah, so that's, that's one for y'all. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, every couple has things like that, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to kind of step slowly through that. You're going to approach it differently. You're going to be more gentle around that issue. Use gentle startup in those type of situations mm-hmm. and understand that it's not, it's a dynamic of the relationship. It's not necessarily one person's fault or the other person's fault. It's just part of who you are and you can accept that. I think then in that resilience, when you start to learn some of those things, then it just becomes practicing, right? 
you just have to practice that resilience, those things, things like noticing your breath and your heart rate uh, when they spike. I mean, I think that's such a huge thing. I don't know if you've ever used pulse oximeters in. I have one. I have one on my desk. You have one on your desk. Yeah, you I did. Really I was. Just, I thought it was in here, and I was going to lift it up and show you. But yeah, oh. we use pulsometers sometimes with couples who are in conflict just to demonstrate how elevated their physiology is as we put a pulsometer on their fingers. And it shows. And oftentimes the pursuing partner looks angry and worked up. And the distancing partner looks cool as a cucumber. Yep. But then when you put the pulsometer on them, it turns out they are just as elevated physiologically. Their pulse is going crazy too. They just don't manifest it on the outside, but they feel it on the mm. inside. That, yeah. that is one of the reasons they're withdrawing. Absolutely. Is they're trying to get enough space to cool off. So sometimes they shut down. If you are going to therapy, like that's a great tool to ask your therapist to use for sure. Um, because it can help you start to learn how to regulate that because you can regulate it. Like it, mm-hmm. can, it is something that you can you can master, um, but you have to notice that it's actually happening. Practice also, I think, for distancing partners involves noticing when they start to get triggered to stonewall or start to get defensive. Because I think those two horsemen are the ones that distancers do probably more often mm-hmm. um, than the others. And But for pursuers, it's when they start to get critical or they start to get contemptuous in the relationship, mm-hmm. right? And being able to notice when that happens. And when you notice it, to shift course. Like being able to say, hey, hold on, I just got critical there. Let me try again. I shouldn't have right. said that. Let me try again. That's active resilience. I, yeah, absolutely. I am absolutely. getting back on track. Yeah. Right? When I find myself off course, I, I get myself back on track. Yeah. The other thing that I would mention, too, is that sexually resilient couples find the humor in the challenge. Right? You were talking no about kidding. You were talking about my, my uh, three little um, angels. Um, that are all over my house right now. It's like sometimes me and my wife just look at each other and one of the kids is, you know, doing jumping jacks on the dinner table and another one has taken all his clothes off and is just running around. You let your kids jump on the table, Adam? Did not. Did I say let them jump on the table? I did not. Um, but we sometimes me and my wife just look around and, and just go, is this really our life? And we can't help but laugh at it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we have to laugh at it. Otherwise, it's just it just feels chaotic and crazy. Mm -hmm. And so I think being able to find the humor in whatever the challenge is, is super important. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing that I'd mention is I think resilient couples, sexually resilient couples, they're committed to solving the problem, Mm -hmm. right? And so they're going to do whatever it takes. They're going to keep coming back to it. They're going to keep discussing it. They're going to know when to take breaks, but they're not going to let those breaks last for a really long time. Um, right. They're going to come back and really be committed to, to working it out again together in that team type of environment and, um, and really say, we, we can do this. We can be hopeful um, and we can kind of get this done. Yeah, I think, too, just my last bit would be sexually resilient couples understand that there's an arc, that things don't change overnight, that dynamics, it isn't just whether you have sex this night mm-hmm. or whether they want it this night. It's you take a long view. Like, yes. are we going to want it in six months? What do we need to change? How do I listen to you? How do I care about you? So that in the long run, we have something that's alive, erotic, and Absolutely. exciting. I think yeah. that's great. Well, we hope you can practice that resilient. There's lots more tips out there. These are just a few of the ones that we found helpful. So remember, practice. It's something you can do. You can do better. Good luck out there. 
You can now call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at 4Play. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor.